want to welcome you back to our Wednesday night Bible study. This is the last uh, installment of our series, When Sinners Say I Do, and I hope you've been blessed by it. I want to encourage you, if you've missed our church services or our Sunday school or our Wednesday night services, you can go to BathChapel.Church or let friends know, BathChapel.Church. We have a way to view these things on the YouTube channel, also to just listen to them on uh, podcasts or uh, through Facebook Live. But we also have them stored in sections, so if you missed any part of this series, um, you can go back and look at it, or our Sunday morning series, or anything like that. And I encourage you to do this, because this study, it's not about me doing it, it's just, uh, it's really a phenomenal study dealing with our sin nature, and how as Christians, we, we are saved, but we will struggle with our sin. And if we don't realize that, uh, it's going to be harder to live the Christian life. And so I hope you've been blessed by it, and I have too. Uh, again, remember everything's there on BassChapel.Church. There's a safe way to give online, and we're doing our Sunday morning services at 1020. You're more than welcome. We're practicing social distancing. And uh, then again, everything else is there online. And so however, wherever you're at and however you feel safe, we encourage you to do that. Our mission is open on Wednesdays from 9 to noon, and we help with food and clothing if you have any needs. Or you can call the church and email. And so we're, we're continuing to work on ways to uh, reach you and help you uh, in these times that we're dealing with. Let's open in prayer. Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you for the opportunity to be here. I pray for our nation right now. I ask that you give the leaders wisdom and discernment as they deal with the virus and different things. Lord, I pray that you help us as uh, Christians to be salt and light and to love people. And I just uh, pray for healing, dear Lord, and revival. May it start with us. I ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Our next series that we're going to be dealing with, uh, we'll be starting next week, um, is a book, really simple book. We're going to be doing some of these. They're called uh, uh, Church Questions. And they're really simple little books. You can buy them electronically or physically. You don't even worry about buying them. But I'm going to dive in deep. And it's called, How Can I Love Church Members with Different Politics? Nobody has an issue with that, do we? Uh, How can I love church members with different politics? We're not getting into, uh, I like this or I like that. We're looking at the Bible and asking, what what do you say, God, about me loving people that may differ than me on, on, on my politics or anything else? And so we'll be starting that next week, and so that might help help you as we maneuver through these times. And so that'll be coming up. But as we conclude here, we're on chapter 10, When Sinners Say Goodbye, Time Aging and Our Glorious Hope. Um, he'd like to take uh, one more time uh, to, to go to a place we may not expect. Sometimes... Um, Obviously, Bath Chapel, we get calls here about the cemetery. And just to let you know, Bath Chapel doesn't own the cemetery, it, it, uh, but we get calls about it a lot of times. And and obviously, here as a pastor, you know, I'm in the office, and sometimes I'll go out to the back of the church, and there's a chair there. And I don't sit out there to be in the cemetery, but I sit out there because it's nice outside and it's just a change of venue. But so many times we don't encounter or do, we don't want to face death. And here's the interesting thing. It's been found that most people make a decision for Christ when they hit intersections in their life, uh, marriage, uh, a birth of a child, a change of a job or a location, and also a death in their life. And so, so many times we don't want to face these things. Uh, this uh, past uh, week, uh, on Monday, I had to go to the funeral of my uncle. And obviously with the COVID restrictions, it was outside and 
and and he had died of COVID, and and you know it was just a strange time, and it was a sad time, and some but so many times we don't want to face those things. Scripture sets forth an unfashionable goat for believers. I want you to think about this. How are you going to die? And are you going to die well? It's not specifically, I'm going to die this way. But God wants us to die well. That's what we're going to look at tonight. We're talking about the sin nature struggling. You know, we can die in a way that doesn't reflect Christ. And I'm not saying we say we like everything. But, we, you know, we really need to point to Christ in every area of our life. Preparation for death seems morbid, but throughout history, as in most of the world today, death has always been a part of life and deserving attention. We don't like to think about it, but and, and we shouldn't dwell on that, but we should be aware of it. All we have to do is live long enough and we will be bereaved. I want you to think about that. All you got to do is live long enough and you will deal with grief. Because the longer you live, the more things change. And the more people die. Moses in Psalms 90 says this, The years of our life are 70, or even by reason of strength 80, and they are soon gone and will fly away. Moses saw that time passes quickly. And that's really true. I mean, life expectancy has really gone up. I mean, I've been blessed as a pastor to have people, you know, in my congregations uh, in their late 90s. But and 90 is actually becoming an achievable age because of health. But Moses is saying there, especially after the flood, if you want to get into that, people lived longer before the flood. But after that, God put a cap on that. We see that in the Bible. And then Moses is getting the reality, 70. 80. And that's the truth of things. Again, we don't need to be morbid on it, but you kind of get to that tipping point where you realize I'm not that you're going downhill, but I'm heading more towards heaven than I was before. You know? Um, sinners, who, uh, sinners that say I do, or sinners that deal with the, uh, the sin nature, we need to realize there's a time for decline. Uh, he talks about the fact that Paul in 2 Corinthians uh, 4.16 uh, uh, says this, uh, So we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. Went and started to see a new doctor, and I was, and I was really surprised. I thought he was my age and, uh, or younger, you know. And he goes, no, you know, I'm 65. And he, he was talking about the fact I'm on this many medicines and more stuff is hurting. And, you know, we can be healthy and try as much as we want, and these are not bad things, but it's amazing how things start falling apart or hurting or wearing out a little bit. And Paul said, you know, our body, that's going to happen. But yet we try to physically look like we aren't and all these kind of things. This unavoidable wasting away comes from our, our forefather, Adam, who, who's turned from God toward, who turned from God from self-sufficiency, doomed us to the universal physical destiny of ashes to ashes and dust to dust. Life involves bodily decay. Uh, the only question is, when do we recognize it? <laughs> when you're young... I don't, I don't, I, I want to say young and dumb like we all were, you know, in the sense of, I'm, I'm invincible. I can do whatever I want. And then you get to points like, yeah, I could do that or try that, but I'm going to pay for that a while later. Or a day later, you're like, why am I sore there? Or why do I hurt? Oh, yeah, I did that. Um, 
we need to recognize the question. We are also being gloriously renewed from within. While we're decaying without the insight, see, this is the thing I really struggle with. I feel like in a lot of ways I'm not getting more sinful, but I don't like the fact, why am I getting mad easier? Or why am I doing this? It's like, God, I want to be more godly. And we need to be more inwardly growing in God, even though why outwardly we are declining and dying. You see, the new birth, the biblical concept is called regeneration. is isn't like the old birth. Under the old physical birth, we basically start dying as soon as we leave the womb. But under this new regeneration spiritual birth, the life of God reanimates our sin-dead souls, and the process is reversed. And this is what we've been talking about through this whole series. You, you are saved, and you're filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, and you're set towards heaven, and now it's time to let God grow in the inward man while the outward man is physically dying. We actually get better with time if we're following God and realizing the limitations that we have without Christ. Our souls are being prepared for eternity with God. And this is why Paul tells us not to lose our heart. Sure, physical things aren't so great. Whatever we may have counted as physical assets are quickly becoming liabilities. You know? Uh, so when life comes to you in ways you don't expect, remember this regeneration is an initial burst of spiritual life in our souls. While my body is physically declining, I should be regenerating and growing closer to God. Renewal is the same power working inside every facet of who we are, of who we are, fitting us as it were for eternal life with Jesus. Regenerated and renewed to get ready for Jesus. And that's a that's an awesome thing. Every person is united. Every person is designed to decay. Second Corinthians four seven says this. Um, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not us. I want us to understand this. This mortal shell is a reminder to us that things are going to change that this is not all there is, and we need to understand that. A maturing person is one who sees all the way to the finish line and beyond. We don't like that, though. I don't like thinking about dying or, you know, this or that, but we need to understand that this world is not there is. And this is where uh, uh, Hebrews chapter uh, 11 really is talking about, the, the, the faith chapter of looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. And we've got to see the end game. As Christians, God bestows upon us the extraordinary honor of nurturing and celebrating the inward renewal while also caring for the outward decay. It's a balance. Growing in Christ, but realizing I need to take care of what I have. It's an adventure, an irony made possible by the gospel. The only real treasure in our brittle jars of clay. Um, Not every Christian sees this clearly, but joy awaits for those that do. You know, this is not all there is going to be, and one day I'm going to die. And again, not being morbid and not focused on that, but focused on eternity, regardless of your health, regardless of where you're at. And this is why he talks about, we'll talk about in a little bit in Thessalonians, we, we don't grieve without hope. Um, we need to understand that there's a time to say goodbye. Paul understood something important. While the inner renewal is the more important reality, there is a reversing and denying the reality of our outer decay. Death is at work in each of us. Uh, going back into 2 Corinthians 4, verses, uh, verse 12, says this, So death is at work in us, 
but life in you. Eternal life is what he's talking about. Usually death visits, uh, visits us, uh, whether you're married or not, one spouse, and griefs the other. In other words, somebody dies and somebody's left with grief. If the gospel has been treasured within a marriage, uh, both spouses will be prepared, or within a family. For the first one to go, a homecoming awaits them. The unimaginable experience of crossing between two worlds to arrive in a place where they were created to be. How awesome is that? The journey of the jar of, of the one clay jar is not, but the other person, uh, the journey of one clay jar is not over yet. A trial of grief has begun, and one that can shape each hour and exhaust every emotional fiber. Grief is a walk into the unknown as a universal experience played out in intense personal ways. How, how can you imagine that? Uh, you know, the, the wimp in me would rather be the one that dies first and not to deal with the grief. But each one has a silver lining that we can grow closer in God. Yet even the darkest moments of loss we, we long to please God in our grief. We don't grieve, as I said in 1 Thessalonians 4.13, as those that do not have hope that are lost. Because we do have a hope, an amazing, captivating hope. The resurrection of the Savior has guaranteed that. The fire of the gospel hope burns deep even when we feel incapable of, feed, uh, of, of feeding it. In other words, I have no hope. But I know it's there. I know whom I believed in, that he is able to complete that which I have committed unto him. Resolute confidence that God knew best and could be trusted. Courage to face the future beyond the, the death that you've encountered. It's called faith. It's the kind that says, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord that Job said in Job one twenty one. In His Word, God offers that that uh, offers truth that is saturated, that is covered in hope. Essential, uh, He says, for this slight momentary affliction is preparing us for the eternal weight of glory beyond comparison. We see that in 2 Corinthians 4.17. These realities inspire hope when jars of clay become broken beyond repair. When sinners say goodbye, we remain, uh, those who remain should keep in mind the weighty realities of this hope. That this is not where it ends. The Greek word, as we go back into uh, 2 Corinthians 4.17, and I'll read that again, for, for this light momentary affliction is preparing us for eternal weight of glory beyond all comprehensions. Uh, some uh, versions might use the word slight, and in 2 Corinthians 4.17 means light and weight, easy to bear without substance. In other words, with this hope of glory, we can bear this slight grief. It's the same word that's used in Matthew 11.30 when he says, uh, my burden is light. You know, it's just slight. The loss is real, but the pain need not become a crushing burden. That's what I want us to focus on. And this is a problem we deal with, too. We try to get people to look over the fact that they're grieving. I like uh, the movie Courageous when it dealt with somebody that had loss and the counselor saying, you don't get over it, you learn to live with it. That's the difference. It's like if a person lost an appendage, that arm is always gone, but they learn to live with it. And so many times we tell people, get over it. That's just wrong. But we need to understand that that burden is not 
heavy enough that God can't help you with it. My burden is life, light with Christ. In fact, the word sight is intentionally set in contrast to the weight of glory beyond all comparison that awaits us. When Paul says his afflictions are light, uh, John Piper writes, he does not mean easy or painless. He means that compared to what is coming, they're nothing. Compared to the weight of glory coming, they're like feathers on the scale, which is awesome. In this life, the death of someone is a defining moment that will mark us until we die. But compared to what is headed, headed is but a slight change of course in the ocean of eternity. I love how that is worded. And so my trial is momentary. No trial seems momentary when you're going through it. When is this going to be over? I.e. 2020. You just keep waiting for the next thing, okay? There's a consuming quality that affects every trial. And I'm going to stop here for a minute and make a pause. Christians, if you are not into God's Word more than the TV and the news, no wonder you're living in fear. And no wonder you're letting it inundate you and weigh you down. Stop it. Whether we're dealing with COVID, whether we're dealing with riots, what, no matter what year it is, if you're not into God's Word and to God, into talking to God more than that, if you're not able to say, hey, I'm not going to watch that. I'm going to get the highlights later. And that for some reason, if you don't watch all this stuff, that somehow the world's going to fall or your control is going to get over. I'm not saying don't be aware, but if you're not in His Word more, and if you don't have the ability to say, hey, I'm not going to watch the news for the, the day, or oh my goodness, I'm not going to watch the debate. I'm not telling you to do any of those things, but the point I'm trying to make you feel uncomfortable with, do those things weigh on you more than have I missed being in God's Word? Have I missed praying to God? Look at Daniel. Everything's scurrying around. And he was told not to pray, and he went ahead anyway, and he was thrown in the lion's den, and God saved him. We need to get to the point where, regardless of the trials, I'm trusting in God. And I, Matthew 6.33 says this, but seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Put God first. And, and put those things in, and your trials are momentary. We're, we're focused on 2020, which has had a lot of junk. It is a lot. We've all been going, huh, and what's next? But everyday life is like that, and God is trying to get us to look to Him, regardless of the intensity of the trial. But God invites us to rise from the table and come around to the other side. He wants us to look over our lives from a different vantage point. Just a slight is set off in 2 Corinthians against the weight of glory, momentarily is set off against eternal weight of glory. When measured by eternity, the mortal life is but a breath, a vapor, a suspended cloud that quickly dissipates with the slightest breeze. Whatever trial you, uh, whatever trial you are in, it will end, and one day you will see it for what it truly is, momentary and slight. Grief often seems a stretch out before us like a road winding through a long, low valley. And self-pity and fear are always begging us to come along for the ride. And, and what we need to see, but for the Christian, there are things more powerful than grief. And there is hope for the future. There is service in the present. Um, most importantly, there is the cross both in the past and ever-present. The cross is the organizing point of our life. It's the interpretive lens that we need to see through. My understanding of what is accomplished for me on the cross and the sacrifice of Christ can make the difference in our life. There is nothing more important to, me, to us than the cross. 
what God has given us through through losing that person or whatever is a greater understanding of who Christ is and what he did for us and this powerful sense of the Holy Spirit work within us saying, you know, there's more to this. And Christ has suffered, God has suffered grief with his son and, and that separation. And God has suffered this glory and hope of the rising of his son and the coming hope. This means that there's great joy coming even in to our suffering. Though sorrow lasts for the moment, joy comes in the morning. We need to focus on that dawn. God invites us to see the, the pain and loss is a preparation for something incomprehensible. Our present loss doesn't simply open the door to glory, it produces glory. That person saying, how in the world are you doing this? Not because you're perfect or any more, but that focus. This slight momentary affliction is preparing us for, uh, preparing us for an eternal weight of glory. The weight of glory weighs more than what grief we're going through. He says it's unfathomable, inconceivable, unimaginable, beyond all comparison. And we need to focus on that. This day for that day. Matthew Henry once said, I ought to be in the business of every day to prepare for our last day. The Puritan pastor was uh, conscientious of finishing the race, and a vital part of the race is that is the tandem relay that begins when, when we start. At the beginning of this book, we asked, the, we asked us to take a look, at, a look hard at sin and how it plays out in our lives. And I hope it helps you realize now that in looking at our sin biblically, we, see, we keep our eyes on what really matters in life, the unfathomable love and mercy of God poured out on us through our Savior going to say that again. What really matters in life is the unfathomable love and mercy of God poured out through us through our Savior. He loves us so much that He gave us His Son. And though we deserve hell, He gives us grace, undeserved, and mercy for life that we need to give to others. When we gaze upon the cross, we begin to see the early light of that glorious day. There is no better way to in this study than to stand beside what Pastor uh, uh, Spurgeon said and peek with him through the window of eternity, catching a small glimpse. Listen to the words that Charles Spurgeon said here. Heaven is always heaven and unspeakably full of blessedness. But even heaven has its holidays. Even blessed has its overflowings. But on the day when the, when the springtide of the infinite ocean of joy shall come, what a measureless flood of delight shall overflow the souls of all glorified spirits as they perceive that the consummation of love's great design has come. The marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife have come forth herself ready. We do not know yet, beloved, what happiness we are capable, or what I may, or, or may I be there, but I may but see the King in His glory and the fullness of His joy when He shall take by the right hand uh, her uh, hand her whom He shed His precious blood, and He shall know and and shall know the joy which is set before Him, for which He endured the cross, despising the shame. I shall be blessed indeed. Oh, what a day that will be when my every when every member of Christ shall be crowned in Him and with Him. 
And every member of the mystical body shall be glorified in the glory of the bridegroom. A day will come, the day of days, a time's, time's crown and glory, when the saints arrayed in the righteousness of Christ shall be eternally one with Him in loving and living, lasting union, partaking together of the same glory, the glory of the Most High. We, what must it be to be there? I mean, he says it way better than I ever could. But what a glorious day. What a glorious day that will be. Our lives here are an imperfect picture of what we are looking forward to, enjoying the eternal relationship with the Savior. As, as real as our lives are to us on this earth, they are just a shadow of the reality we will experience when Christ comes to claim His bride. Then we will have a wedding feast to celebrate our union with Christ that is unlike any other feast that we've ever celebrated or known. And the entire family of Christ will be there, not one of them missing from the whole earth. The joy at the feast will, will, will not be marred by sin, struggle, pain, or disappointment. We will be forever with Christ in this new home when, with what glory is set before us as sinners who say to God, Yes, I do. I will follow you. I hope you've been blessed with this. And I hope that if, if I said a summary of what I would like you to get out of this series is this. First of all, you are saved by Christ and by His grace. And when you are saved by Christ, that struggle with sin is not over. We think for some reason, well, everything's okay. I can just put this off. This is the way I am. I'm saved. Yes, you're secure in your salvation. But we could be growing so much if we're supposed to be growing while we're dying physically growing in the inward band we need to understand i am going to struggle with this sin nature i have the holy spirit inside me god i need your grace i need to step up in the power of your grace and say no i am going to fight this and the power because of god and his holy spirit because i'm free to i'm not going to just live with this i'm going to I'm a sinner that, that realizes that I'm struggling with this every day. Do not trust myself. I'm the chief of sinners, and I need your grace. I need your power, Holy Spirit, to say no and to follow you. But I also need to give that grace to others. And as my body decays, I want to know you and have grown in you more than when I started, God. Not because it saves me or keeps me saved, because I'm free to struggle. I walk with you. I hope you've been blessed. Remember the series that's coming up. Remember the things. If you have any needs, feel free to contact us. And thank you for uh, being here. Lord, I thank you for this day. I pray you help us to walk with you and to grow in you in all that we do. In your name, Jesus. Amen.